Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. So today we are in week three of our sermon series called Simply Jesus. And remember what we're doing in this series is learning a paradigm or way of thinking about Jesus that is meant to take all the confusion we've experienced when trying to make sense of who Jesus is and in turn what that means for our lives and make it simple. Or at least as simple as it can be given this crazy gray world that we seem to live in these days. So in week one, and to put this series into perspective, we use Jesus' proclamation about who he was and what he came to accomplish in the Gospel of Luke to introduce the Jesus paradigm, which looks like this. And what this paradigm reveals to us is that the reason Jesus came into the world was to take our lives in the world as they are in all of their fallenness and all of their sin and to begin to make things right. I mean, that's the basic, that's the simplicity of it all. Then last week, to begin to see how every part of Jesus' ministry fits into this particular paradigm, we started with how Jesus, through his healing and exorcisms, was basically all about entering into those places of sickness and demon possession and making things right, which he did in those instances by setting people free and healing them. And so today, to continue to build upon how every part of Jesus' life fits into this paradigm, we're going to be exploring how Jesus was all about reaching out to those people in his time and place who were shunned or who were considered to be outcast and restoring them to their God-given place in the world. Or taking those who were outsiders and making them insiders within God's kingdom, which I think is a message that is just as relevant today as it was 2,000 years ago. Luke 5, 12 through 14 begins, it says this, once when Jesus was in one of the cities, there was a man covered with leprosy. The important thing I want you to notice here is there was a man covered with leprosy. Now, what you need to know about the way that ancient Jews made sense of leprosy is that leprosy didn't necessarily refer to what you and I think of automatically when we think of leprosy. That's Hansen's disease. That's what it's called today but instead referred to all sorts of different skin ailments that people might get. Or leprosy at that time was a far bigger category than what we think of today, including things like eczema, ringworm, allergic reactions, or, or all sorts of kind of skin ailments that affected a skin for a considerable amount of time. And this is really, really important to get when reading these stories, or, or this particular story, when, when it mentions the word leprosy. Because it means we don't... We don't exactly know what this man had. He might have had leprosy in the way we think about it, but he could have just had a skin condition. But what we do know, regardless of what this man actually had, is that having some kind of skin condition or being diagnosed with leprosy in the ancient world was a huge life-altering deal. You didn't just go to the dermatologist and get it fixed. In that not only did these people have to suffer through whatever it is that they had? And in the case of actual leprosy, it was horrible. 
you, you lose all feeling. And then because of that, you begin to lose limbs and things like that. But it's also the case that these people were shunned. And what I mean by being shunned here is not what happened to every single one of us in high school, right? No, what I'm getting at here is that regardless of age, people who develop these skin conditions were actually kicked out of their homes. They were actually kicked out of their communities and sent to live in leper colonies or communities where people with these skin conditions were forced to live away from the rest of the world because they were considered to be dangerous. And then when these lepers did happen to come across clean people, they were required by law to call out, unclean, unclean. Anytime they came across someone who didn't have what they had, and all to let them know that they were dangerous to be around. But the worst part of their existence is that just to make a living, just to survive, because these people couldn't go out and get a job. You couldn't work with anybody, so you couldn't have a job, right? Most of the time, they were forced to sit by the side of the road and beg for their daily bread. Which means when Luke begins this particular episode by telling us about a man with leprosy, he's not just telling us about a man who has some horrible skin disease and needs to be healed. No, he's also telling us about a desperate and lonely man who because of his skin condition has been excommunicated or kicked out of his world. Or is describing the worst case scenario for a whole lot of people at that time. I mean, try to imagine it. There's all sorts of skin conditions out there today that we know of are benign, but you have them and there's nothing you can do about it. You could be excommunicated. You weren't sent to the hospital and they checked you out. You went to the priest and they said you either had it or didn't have it. And if you had it, that's it. You're out. So it's no wonder why the leper in this story out of desperation throws caution into the wind when he sees Jesus, this man who was known to heal people of what he has by doing this. When he saw Jesus, he bowed his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. Or note that when this man encounters Jesus, he doesn't keep the law by crying out, unclean, unclean, and staying back which is what he's supposed to do. No, instead he actually approaches Jesus, falls on his face in front of him, and begs Jesus to make, make him clean. Or, or begs Jesus to not only heal him, but to give him his entire life back. And what's even re more remarkable than that is what Jesus does. I mean, people's mouths would have dropped open if they saw what Jesus did. And that Jesus doesn't take off running in the other direction, which is what you were taught to do. If someone with one of these skin conditions came close, you were taught to take off. Because first of all, if they touched you, you would become unclean just like they are unclean. But then worst of all, you could get what they had because there were communicable diseases back then that you didn't want to get touched by. So he, Jesus is supposed to be kind of backpedaling away from this guy who's approaching him, but he doesn't do that. No, instead Jesus does this. Jesus stretched out his hand and he touched him. He touched him. Instead of backing away from this unclean man, he actually moves towards him and he touches him. 
which, by the way, is going against every rule and regulation of the day. It's going against the law of Moses. He reaches out and touches this dirty man whom he has been forbidden to touch, and then he says these words. I do choose be made clean. I do choose be made clean. And miraculously, instead of Jesus being made unclean by touching this man, instead of Jesus catching whatever disease this guy had, immediately the leprosy left him, or immediately this man is cured of this disease that has taken his entire life. Just like that. But Jesus is still not quite done doing what needs to be done to set this man free. Because even though it's clearly the case, according to the story, that this man has been healed, he's still not able to go back to his community. He's not able to go back to his family until he gets an all clear from the priest. Or what you need to understand about what Jesus does next is that legally or officially, for a person to be declared clean or for a person to be able to go back to their normal life, they first had to go to the priest and be declared clean, right? There was this step that they had to walk through before they could get to that place. Or think of going to a doctor and getting a release. I mean, it's similar to something like that, which is exactly why Jesus does this. He said, go, show yourself to the priest as Moses commanded. Make an offering for your cleansing and a testimony for them. Or in other words, go and do what it is that you need to do in the temple so you can be cleared in a way that everyone will know that you were clean, you were safe, and you have a right to go back to your life because you're no longer an outcast. And of course, what does this man do? Can you imagine him getting up and just taking off, like sprinting? I don't know how many miles away it is from Jerusalem, but it's a long way. He's not getting in the car and riding there. He just takes off. And eventually he is declared clean. And then what I want you to do is I want you to try to imagine how this man must have felt on his way home after being healed and declared clean. This thought that he can actually go home. Or how this man felt after his life had been made right. And then how his family would have reacted to getting him back. Which would have been, you know, they would have seen him and, but wait a minute, what's going on here? You were excommunicated and now you're, what's, what's going on? Because you can't make a phone call and say, hey, I'm coming home, I'm clean, right? You just show up one day. And then how amazing it must have felt when this man, who probably hasn't been touched in years, is able to be embraced by his family and his friends without worry. Or how miraculous it would have been for this man who was an outcast to get his life back. Now, there's no doubt that a big part of what Jesus did for this particular man was to heal him. That's a big part of what's going on here. But, but since we have already made sense of how healing fits into the Jesus paradigm, what I want to focus on here is how Jesus, through these actions, took a man who was excommunicated and gave him his life back or took an outsider and made him an insider. So back to the diagram to go to bring it all together. Which, by the way, remember, is something I want seared into your brains. I want you guys to have a couple of nightmares about this diagram here. That, that's when I'll know I have done my job and all this stuff, right? So, 
clearly what is going on in this particular episode that is not as God intended it to be, as God willed it to be, is that a man through basically no fault of his own has been infected with some kind of skin disease that has caused him to be shunned by everyone or caused him to not only be excommunicated but thrown out of his community. So now he lives on the fringes of society where he has to to beg for his livelihood. So what Jesus does in response to this poor man's faith is he simply does what needs to be done in that particular situation. He makes things right. Which he does, first of all, not by being scared and, and running away, but by actually moving towards and reaching out and touching this man and setting him free. And then finally, by sending him to the priest so he can be declared clean. So everyone will know that he's clean. And all because the way the world was supposed to be for this particular man with leprosy is that he was supposed to be with his family and friends and community. He was supposed to have a job. He was supposed to be clean. So Jesus being the one sent to take the world as it is in all of its fallenness and make things right enters into this particular situation and does what needs to be done to make it right. Right? He takes a dirty man and makes him clean. And this is not just one instant. He does this over and over again for the lepers that he encounters during his journey. But it's also the case that it seems to be something that Jesus does with every single person he encounters who's an outcast. In our world today, we are really good at putting people in categories. And there's a whole lot of people who are on the outside and we are on the inside. It just seems to be the way it works these days. It drives me crazy. But what we find Jesus doing over and over again, which, is, which caused a whole lot of drama, is he reached out to those people. Sinners, right? These people are so bad, you just call them sinners. Tax collectors. Tax collectors were people who sold out their very own nation. Romans, Romans are the very people who are oppressing them. Samaritans, half-breeds. Shepherds are the dirtbags prostitutes. And this list goes on and on and on because a big part of what Jesus is doing to save, redeem, and make things right or to cause his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven is revealing to us that in God's kingdom, there really is no such thing as an outcast. There really is no such thing as an outcast. Just fallen children who need to be helped up and loved. So they too can live into the life that God has created them for. So they too can be a part of God's kingdom, God's family. That's the good news, right? So, what if we really understood that about ourselves? What if we understood that God is not this angry God who was after us or has sent us out because we've done something wrong? We've all done something wrong. But we understood that we were beloved children of God, who God is always calling home. Right? That changes who you are and everything. But then on the other hand, what if we were to take seriously what Jesus came to do? 
by being the kind of people who don't create hedges, who don't create in and out, but that actually choose to reach out to those from the outside and make them insiders in God's kingdom. I think this world and our country would look a whole lot different if we dared to live and love as Jesus lives and loves. There you go. Let us pray. Father, we come to you this morning and just blown away by who you, who you were. You walk into these dark places in the world where people are just hurting beyond belief. And you just do what needs to be done to set them free. You give them their lives back. You tell them that they are enough, that they are good enough. And so, Lord, this morning, help us to hear that same thing about ourselves. Help us to know that, that you love us just as we are that you want us to do what we need to do to live into relationship with you and that for you, we are insiders. We just have to realize it. And then to go out and share that good news with the rest of the world. So instead of making even more enemies, instead of drawing up even more lines, we become the very people who tell the world about a God who loves them. And that they're not on the outside, they're on the inside. All they have to do is call out. Help us to be those kind of people. Help us to live that kind of life. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.